going to discuss today how we're going to handle complaints, mistakes, and misunderstanding. We're not going to go through life and everything going to go smooth and even. There's going to be some upsets. There's going to be some things happen that need to be handled. There are several things you can do when you have a mistake or a complaint. You can run from it, feel sorry for yourself, and give up. The big thing is we can blame somebody else, and that's a joke. We can put it off, and it will get worse. And the reason it's going to get worse is because back to the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind will take that thing and run it and run it and turn it over and run it and run it. And that proverbial molehill turns into Mount Everest. That's why we want to face them immediately. We're going to think about it and pray about it and go see them immediately. Get in touch with them. Handle mistakes and complaints immediately. When it's over, ask yourself, have I done what you wanted me to do? Get in touch with them. Sometimes it may play to wait. I can't think of one. But if for some reason, contact them anyway. And they said, well, I've got to go see my grandmother or whatever they got to do. Okay, but we're ready to handle this. We want to face it. Hey, we're not going to run. We're going to be better friends when this is over than we are now. That'll put their mind at ease and know that you're going to do the right thing. We don't want to magnify this thing in the wrong direction. Actually, it will show that you really care. They're going to find out that you really are real. When you are willing to listen and when you face them face to face, Say, tell me what happened, and let them tell you. And listen, really pay attention. Don't get a glazed look over your eyes and wish you were somewhere else. Be there with your body language, your tone of voice, the expression on your face. Sometimes you can even take notes. Let them know that your graveyard's serious about this. The main thing you want to protect your name. You want to do the right thing. We don't want to win the battle and lose the war. We may not win every battle, but we're going to win the war because they know we're going to do the right thing. You're never going to run. If you start that, you're really headed for trouble. Now think about them and their side of it. How does this really affect them? And really get into that and listen and say, wow, and how did that make you feel? And what happened then? And move on. Wow, I'm so sorry. And just listen and listen and listen. The longer you listen, the easier this is going to be. You know, it's not going to be 50-50, half your fault, half their fault. It could be 99-1. 
That really doesn't matter. The thing that matters is we want to handle our side of it in a way that is honorable and right. You know, we've had a lot of lawyers come to class over the years. And we've, this has come up in this class a lot. A very high percentage of lawsuits and charges and bad feelings could have been prevented if someone had gone to them and said, we're sorry this happened. What can we do to fix it? We've seen relationships established because of that, because it shows. Now, after you've listened and listened and listened, ask this question. What would you like to have done about it? Many times, if you have listened long enough, they don't want hardly anything. They just need somebody to care. If handled right, this can be an effective way to handle people, children, our wife, our fellow workers. It's a tremendous sales tool. If used right, when we had that Errol's playing business, we had a pilot spraying a farm for some weeds, and across the road was the old farmhouse that was old. It was a homestead. It was a great house, and it had a huge tree in the front yard. He got some spray on that tree. It started defoliating. This guy called and said, your pilot has killed this tree in my yard. Immediately, I went to him, looked it over, and I said, it's hurt. He said, it's probably going to die. I said, it's your mic. I said, you got a good water well? He said, yeah, we got a great water well. I said, Do you, would you mind watering it? He said, I'll water it all you think. I said, pour the water to it. Send us your electric bills. We'll pay all your electric bills. Just water it. Pour the water to it. Pour the water to it. In a few days, I went back, and it hadn't changed much, and I was standing out in his yard looking up at the tree. And he walked out there, and he said, I'm catching hell over this tree every day. I said, ooh, I hate that. He said, my wife and I sat there in that picture window at that table and drink coffee and visit in the morning, and she looks out here and sees that tree and said, it's not pleasant. You see, in the Dust Bowl, in the Depression, she put that tree out when we settled here, and she toted water to it and watered it when it was little and kept watering it and watering it and watering it and taking care of this tree. It's a prized possession to her. She's put her life into it. I said, man, I'm so sorry. Just keep putting the water to it. He said, okay, tell your wife. He said, I will. One day, Joan and I was headed to another town. I said, I want to go by and look at the tree. I want you to go with me, babe. I said, okay. So we pulled up in this guy's yard and got out. We didn't knock on the door or nothing. We just standing there looking at the tree. He walked out and said, what are y'all doing? I said, I wanted to bring my wife up and let her see this tree. See if we think it's going to live. He said, well, I don't think it's getting worse. 
And I don't know if it's better yet, but the leaves have quit falling off. It's a little better. I said, you water it, keep watering it. Send us the electric bill. Keep watering the tree. We went on. One day, I drove up there again. I said, anytime I was close to that place, I'd go look at that tree. I hated his wife was going through that. And he walked out. And he said, uh, have you got time for me to go show you something? I said, yes, sir. I sure do. I said, get in the pickup. He got in the pickup. He said, go back down here south to that next blacktop and turn up. Go down here west and turn south on that blacktop. I said, okay. We were riding along slow, just visiting. And I told him, I said, I'm sure sorry about that. I hope that tree lives. He said, I think it might not make it now. I said, well, I hope so. So we went down in the draw and come out the other side. And he said, there's a turn row right here. Turn in that turn row. I turned in the turn row. He said, I farm this place too. I said, well, I didn't know that. He said, that's why I wanted to show you. Do you know what I'm going to do about that tree? I said, no, sir. I don't have any idea. He said, I'm not going to do nothing. You've been so nice and caring about this. I want you to start taking care of all this business. That guy farmed a bunch of land. He said, I want you to start taking care of all of it. And this is another one of my sections here. I want you to take care of it. Now turn around and head back toward the house. I'll show you the rest of them. I don't know. Sales call. Why? How we face things shows our character. Bring your heart. Bring your heart. Don't treat them like they don't matter. Everybody matters. We could go on with this for forever when we show we care, when we show we care and really reach out. You know, I looked up one morning, a friend of mine walked in the office and sat down. He's red as a turkey snout. Said, what in the world are you doing? I knew he drank a lot and was having some problems. He closed the door, sat down, he's red. I said, what is in the world? He said, well, I got to do something since I, I, I've been up all night. I, I tried to take my life. I said, what? Yeah, I taped up out there at that shop, the doors, and turned on the gas. I was just been drinking too much. And I thought, I'm sick of this, of this kind of life. My wife is leaving me and on and on what all was wrong. And he said, I just turned on the gas and laid down on the couch. Thought I'd just lay here and die. He said, I woke up. I still alive. <laughs> I said, well, great. <laughs> I thought, this is crazy. He just sobered up a little bit, and he opened the door, let some air in, and turned the gas off. And He thought, this is crazy. I got to get help. And he said, I drove down here. And I said, well, tell me what all is wrong. He said, well, my wife has kicked me out of the house. I said, really? Yeah. The bank is calling my notes. And the IRS sent me a letter. I got to go through an audit. 
he handled the business and did some cash. And I said, you need to go to rehab. I can't go to rehab. Man, I got to face the bank. I got to face the IRS. I got to figure out what my wife's going to do. Well, I, don't know. I said, hey, you want help? Yes, sir. I said, we're going to send you to rehab. You going to go? I'll go. I said, we got a friend on the board at the bank. We're going to get him to handle the bank for you. I'm going to get your accountant to call. What's your accountant's name? He told me. What's his number? He told me. I wrote it down. I said, I'm going to call him, get him, get old IRS. And you can tell your wife that you're fixing to change your life and you're going to rehab and you're going to Mar. Get your stuff. Get your stuff. Hey, and if you ain't going to go, I'll take you. It's not but about 300 and something miles over there where we're going to send you. It's a great place. I'll do it. I said, don't tell me something and not do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I said, this is graveyard serious, man. Long story short, he got him walked out. I said, go get your stuff together. Come back. Well, I uh, called this accountant on the phone. I told him who I was and what had happened. And I said, would you call the IRS and tell them what happened and that he needed to put his case on hold till he gets out of rehab and gets his life back together. Boy, he just exploded on me. Don't you dare. I ain't about to call the IRS. All that does is alert him. He just went berserk. I said, hey, forget it. Don't you call him with that kind of attitude. What's his agent that's calling him? He gave me the agent name and the number. He said, don't you call him. I said, thank you. Click, hung up. I called the IRS, that agent. Put her on the phone. I said, ma'am, this is Virgil Slentz, S-L-E-N-T-C. She would repeat that over and over later. Said nobody ever spells her name IRS, I didn't know. And I said, you got a client that owes you some money. There's some kind of misunderstanding on this thing. He tried to take his life last night. She said, whoa, do you think we caused that? I said, no, no, you didn't cause that. He caused that. He's on the whiskey and he's messed up with his thinking. We're going to send him to rehab. And I was just wondering, could we put this on hold until he gets back and we'll call you? She said, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I'm going to mark his file that no one's to handle him but me. And I will not contact anybody until you call and tell me I can. And I've got your number and your name, and I can call you if I need to. I said, please do. Her number one deal is for this guy to get well. I said, hey, he can pay you. All he's got to do is get sober. Go to work. He can pay you. Well, his friend, I went to see his friend, his mutual friend. I love this guy. And I told him what was going on. He said, I'll go talk to the bank. I'll tell them. We'll put him on hold. They ain't going to bother him. They leave him alone until he gets back. So here he come back. 
I said, well, the IRS is going to wait. They're not going to bother you until we call and tell them you're ready to talk to them. You just focus on getting sober and cleaning your life up and being a human. I'll do it first. And I said, so-and-so has gone to the bank, told the president, all your stuff's on hold at the, at the bank. You're not in any trouble there. That We can work out of this. What'd your wife say? She told me to do whatever I wanted to. She's going to divorce me anyway. I said, okay, we know where we stand anyway. may not be what you want, but let's get going. He said, okay. I'd called him, made arrangements. They had one spot open the next day. They could take him. He's over in Oklahoma. He said, I'll go. I said, well, you need to get over there about what time and figured up how far. I think about 350 miles. I said, he figured up what time, how long it take you to get there. And I said, are you going to go straight there? I'll go. So I'll make Area 6 back to drink on the way so I can get there. But I'll, I'm going to go. I said, okay. If you don't, would you call me? Yeah. Me left. So when are you leaving? He said, I told me what time. Just to make sure, I went out east of town and parked on the opposite side of the road, and he laughed about it later. He come driving by in his pickup with his, his six-pack of beer, headed to rehab. So he goes to rehab. Miraculous deal. Came back. He started doing what it took. They did get a divorce. We called the IRS. She came down to his business and visited with him and had his file, and she asked him, how much do you, how you want to do this? He said, ma'am, I think I can pay you 800 a month and get all this paid. She said, oh, no, after what you've been through, let's cut that back to 400. And let me work on it and see. We may be able to reduce this. And thanked him. And she said, you know what? Nobody calls the IRS and spells their name. It's so rare. I'm going to work with you. He said, and ma'am, I thank you. My life is getting together, and I'm going to pay you. Same thing happened at the bank. He went in there and told him, said, I'm staying sober. I'm working every day. My business is increasing. I'm getting better. Let's set this thing up, and I'll pay you. I won't beat you out of a penny. All of that happened. Hey, his whole life changed. Why? He faced it. He faced it. A lot of times when it looks like the end of the world, it's just the beginning of a new opportunity because of how we handle it and how we look at it. Okay, let's move on. Ask what they would like to have done about it. We've already mentioned that. Many times it's much less than what we anticipated. If handled right, this can be a very effective way because why? It's a way for you to reveal your integrity. It also gives you the chance to show that you care, that you're honorable, that you have Integrity, and who does that help most? Well, it helps you in life. 
here's a list of things we can do. No, number one is face it. Don't alibi and don't run. Everybody's expecting this. When we face things, it shows we're at a new level. It's the, you know, you watch the wildlife programs. I like to watch them. In which wildebeest does the lion eat? The one that appears weak and it's an easy catch. Humans are the same way. They're running from things. They're skipping along in the wrong direction. So face it. Face it. Admit the mistake or complaint. If it's not your fault, just listen. Just listen. You know, I kept up with a story about Bam Morris, the great football player for Texas Tech that went on to the pros. He, and when he got where he couldn't play anymore, he was hauling some dope. And they caught him down there by Dallas. He went in front of this judge. I don't know who coached this guy. I don't really know him personally. And the judge asked him about it, and he stood up and said, Your Honor, I did everything they said I did, and I'm guilty. I'd like a chance to recover. I'm going to live with my mom and look after her and get a job. I'm going to quit this. You know what? The judge let him do it. Changed his life. What happened? He stood up, faced the problem, and admitted it. That's so rare because everybody wants to blame somebody else. I feel sorry for Pete Rose. What a great baseball player. He was. But he denied it. He denied it. He denied it. He denied it. It's sad. You keep carrying it. And it grows. Wouldn't tell the truth. Wouldn't face it. This happens so much when people think they don't have to play by the rules. And don't blame somebody else. Accept responsibility. Focus on fixing the problem and not the blame. You know. The blame? What's that going to gain? What's the problem? Let's fix that. That's where the real life is, you know, and a bad deed does not make a bad person. Boy, some people get excited over that. They got punishment syndrome. Well, they need to be punished. I'd rather talk about the love and the change that the Lord and the material and the Bible and that love and the fruits of the Spirit can bring into our life. We're not here to fix the blame. We're here to fix the problem. And we want to treat the cause and not the symptom. What they're doing is the symptom. The cause, in most cases, is a poor self-image, which that can be fixed. Unless they're just a chronic complainer. A lot of people just want to complain. If they do, just hear them out. Just hear them out. Don't let mistakes get you down. We're all going to be wrong. Strong people bounce back. We're not going to repeat that again. You know, the other day I was watching that game with Tech, and his running back got down to the goal line, and right before, a foot before he crossed the goal line, 
the football, he let it go out the back of his elbow. Wasn't a touchdown. He released it too quick. And the cameras panned over on Kingsbury. Me just standing there looking at the next play. And the announcers went to, said, man, look at him. He's not excited at all. What's happened? Of course, they lined the ball and spotted it, and they went ahead and scored. And after the game in the interview, they said, we noticed you didn't do anything when that young man dropped that football before he, passed, before he crossed the goal line. He said, hey, he hated that worse than anybody there. Yeah, why would I get on him? He'll never do that again. He learned a lesson. I'm not going to get on him. <laughs> no wonder he had such his first great season. So what are we going to do? We're going to face it. You always want to handle these things where you can still look them in the eye. You all see people that drive up and they say, oh, so-and-so's there. I can't go in. Why can't you go in? Well, me and him had some trouble one time in Baltimore. I said, don't live your life like that. That's like a coyote running from everything. Keep it where you can look them in the eyeball. Keep it where you can face them. Well, I owe him money. Go tell him you're going to pay him. Don't be like a coyote and run from everything. Face it. It's a terrible way to live. Hey, Romans 8 and 28, when something happens, we can be better or we can be worse. It's our choice. When we choose, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. You know, in the program at uh, Jones going to heaven service, that's the scripture they put in there. Everything gets better, or it can get worse. Whose choice is it? It's yours. It's mine. We choose to be better. You know, hey, you got a pregnant daughter that's not married? When it's over, we're going to be better? We're going to be worse. I can take you a lot of people that they say that's the greatest thing that ever happened to them because they changed how they responded. We're going to respond with love. We're going to respond with love. You know, I got a friend. He came by the office one morning when everybody's in there drinking coffee. We'd open up early and everybody come drink coffee, or a lot of people. Anyway, he come in. He said, I got to get to work, Smith, but I've got something I want to tell you and you help me. I said, what is it? He said, you know, my son's in the praise band out here at this church, and he's done something, and they're going to call him in tonight, the board that runs the church. They got a meeting, and they want him to be there at whatever time. They're going to call him in and visit with him. They're probably going to kick him out of the band, and I don't know what all and on and on and on. I said, what's he done? I don't know. It really don't matter. If it was very bad, he'd be locked up. Is he locked up? No. I said, okay. Let me think about it. Well, I never did see him anymore that day. He was, I suppose, he was supposed to call me. The next morning, he walked in with a big grin on his face. 
I said, you never did call me. He said, well, I got to thinking about it. And I thought, I don't need to bother him. Here's what I'm going to do. I said, what'd you do? He said, I was out the feed yard and I got a basket. And I went and got a bunch of rocks and stones and I just pretty well filled it up. Put it in the back of my pickup. Said, I went up there to the meeting before he was supposed to go in. And said, I walked in carrying my basket. They said, a big old conference table. And they all spoke, hey, what's going on? You know, real friendly. He said, everything's fine. He set that basket of stones right in the middle of their conference table. And they said, what's that? He said, that's a basket of stones and walked out. <laughs> they sat there and looked at that. I don't know what all they said, but they sat there and looked at each other and looked at that basket of stones. In a minute, one of them come out and said, uh, Jim, you can go on. We don't need to talk to you. What happened? They're going to respond with love instead of stoning them. Lord, help us to remember. Throw that basket of stones away. I got a bigger stick standing in my office. People look at it and say, what's that? I said, well, when you get so bad you can't stand it, and they've hit you with a stick, you can come borrow my bigger stick. It's about six and a half, seven foot tall. And taped up handle. I mean, you could frail them with it. Now, we're not into that. And not into the basket of stones. I thought it was such a genius, genius way to say it. So get up and offset the damage with a positive mental attitude. You know, keep on moving. Take criticism. I always remember when... There's two reasons people criticize. One, they feel inferior, and the other is they're full of fear. Don't be mad at them. They're dealing with that. They have the habit. And when they criticize you and somebody comes and tells you and asks you about it, what are you going to say? One answer only. Wonder why they said that, and then shut up. That other person will take after them like a biting dog, and we don't want to keep an attacking spirit. We all know people you got to tiptoe around because if you set them off, they're going to attack everybody verbally or motive or verbally or physically. Either one. Sometimes verbally is worse than the other. So get over that and move on with life. We're going to learn from these mistakes. We don't want to be like the guy that lost $10 on the play and 20 on the instant replay. We want to learn. And how can we really learn? We don't only learn from ours, but we learn from the others that we see. Looking to learn. Everybody knows something we don't know. When we learn to listen, pay attention, and tune in to the other person, we learn. We get smarter. We're all moving one way or another. We can mean well and have a heart that's in the right place, and just sometimes it's going to come out wrong. 
for whatever reason, hey, I'm sorry. They may forgive you, they may not, but we put the ball back in their court. We want to always do the right thing. My friend, back to my friend that had the flour mill, there was a big factory over in New Mexico. They were huge. They started out small, and he called on them, and they started buying a load of flour every once in a while and made, made tortilla. They got huge. They became the biggest customer he had. He had a friendship with them. Everything was going on. He looked up out there in the middle of nowhere, and in walked that guy that owned that factory with his lawyer. He said, hey, guys, what y'all doing? Well, they were looking at him like a cow looking at last year's calf through the fence. He said, we got a bad load of flour, and that's what we come to see you about. Kind of like that, and he said, well, you want another load of flour? You want your money back? What do you want to do? They said, that's it. He said, that's it. I'll give you another load right now. They weren't expecting that. They thought he was going to defend it and, and say it wasn't bad and, and that they were just trying to steal a load of flour. And only he said, hey, I'll just give you another load. I'll pay you for it. What do you want to do? The guy turned out to be the biggest customer. Why? Hey, face it. Do you think that cost? In the long run, it made. In the long run, it made. So let's move on. It is not so much the complaints, mistakes that we make, but it's what you do with them. We're not going to go through life without making some. We're not perfect. We're striving for perfection. <laughs> we sure hadn't reached it yet, but we're still striving. But what? We face it with a heart of love. Put the other person first. But it's what we do with them that really counts. Hey, it gives you a chance to show up and show you'll do the right thing. We choose to be better instead of worse. We're going to look for it. Hey, it make us out a hero. When we was helping them at the truck place of those feed boxes, things were going really good, and I, I had to go out there and visit with them. I told them one day, I said, we need one of these things to break down. Don't do it on purpose. We need one to break down. They said, you crazy? I said, no, not really. We got that repair truck back there, and you got the guys here that can fix it. We need, if one breaks down, that's not a bad thing. It's a good, because that's going to give us a chance to show that you do the right thing and you face it with a smile on your face, a love in your heart, and a spring in your step. Well, it wasn't long till, sure enough, one broke down south down here several miles. Well, they put this young man in a truck, and he tore out down there immediately. When he got there, he knew what it was, and he fixed it and got it going. And the owner come out there looking at him. He's drying his hands on one of those red rags and shook it. He, he, he said, sir, it's, it's fixed. I sure do thank you for calling us. He said, you don't owe us anything. We just want to come fix it and be sure you get back going and feed your cattle. 
thanked him, thanked him, got in trouble, drove off. It turned out, it turned out that guy was president of the Cattle Racers Association. He he went and told everybody he could find about that. Hey, it's one of the biggest booms I had. It took it to a new level. <laughs> so be sure you can look them in the eyeball. You can face that guy. Treat that other person like you would like to be treated. Or better yet, treat him like he wants to be treated. Find out how they want to be treated and treat it that way. The greatest thing you can do is make yourself strong. We don't get strong running from everything. We get strong facing. Remember, weak people can't help weak people. Strong people can help weak people. So you owe it to God. You owe it to your family, you owe it to yourself, and you owe it to your customers, friends, and everybody. Become a strong person, because then you can help somebody. How am I going to get you out of the bar ditch stuck if I'm stuck in there with you? I need to stay strong, stay up on the blacktop. I can tie a rope to you and pull you out. Take somebody strong to do that and admit they're wrong. You know what? It's pretty healthy. It's pretty healthy. Hopefully we stay healthy enough to be the giver in life instead of the taker. And that's going to affect how we face the future. Thank you very much. <laughs>